carry on from there. And, um, and just, um, try to help us to understand without making it too complicated. Um, the opportunities that God gives us. You know, in, in Luke chapter 12, and verse 48, he gave us an important principle. He said, to whom much is given, much will be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. And that's a principle that we need to realize and and grasp and understand in our personal lives. As a believer, understanding what has been given to us. I mean, much doesn't describe it. I mean, it is beyond compare all that God has given to us. And understanding, because we have been recipients of God's grace, much will be required of us. And... um and in realizing that, much is required of us in, involves ministry to others. And the ministry to others, you can call it various things. Um, and sometimes maybe we get hung up on, on the details. I'll say here at the start, the bottom line is first of all, just invest in others. Um, and, and yet, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but investing in others, um, we should understand that as a believer, freely I have received, freely I need to give. And uh, that's not just talking about in physical resources, it's freely I have received the grace of God, freely I should give the grace of God. And um, in, in thinking about this aspect, last week we talked about being a mentor, investing in someone's life and, and helping them, um, teaching, uh, willing to learn with them together, um, sharing from your your own personal experience, and so on. And um, and then we said there's an opportunity on the back table to sign up if you're willing to be a mentor or a mentee, um, willing to have someone invest in your life. And, and any time you mention a sign-up, that involves a commitment. You know, when there was a signing the church covenant, it's a... It's easy to have a verbal commitment to, yeah, okay, I'll go along. But, whoa, signing, that, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, and sometimes it involves something like this. Basically, it's not like we were going to assign, okay, Joe, you have Bob here, okay, and you too. No, we're not going to do that. God has to put these things together. But an opportunity, these are people that are willing, and really, everybody here should be willing to, hey, my life is an open book. Anything you want um, that I can share with you to help you in your life from my experience, 
I am willing to do that. But there's this aspect, everyone should be willing, but here's a list that you know for sure is willing, and um, you can go to, and everybody should be willing to receive instruction and encouragement and help, but here's some that really said, I want that. And yet, sometimes we think because a term is applied to it, uh, I don't know about this. True mentoring is not an act, but it's a process. Um, someone spelled out kind of a difference, and, and I think it, it's helpful in understanding a difference between evangelism, discipleship, and mentoring. Now, let me say right from the start, It's not one against the other. These are all very important parts. But in understanding, sometimes we um, are tempted to confuse one with the other. For example, in the basis of exchange or interchange with evangelism, it's dealing with the content. We're, We're presenting some content And in discipleship, it's presenting some content, going through a discipleship course or something. In mentoring, it's building a relationship. These are just things to help you that someone has spelled out. The role in evangelism is bringing good news, defending the truth, and winning unbelievers. Important. Needs to be done. Discipleship is teaching new converts. In mentoring, it's caring and helping in all aspects of their life. The agenda in evangelism, it's on the soul winner or evangelist agenda. This is where we're going. This is what the same is true in discipleship. This is the course we're going to follow. This is what we're doing. In mentoring, It's kind of need-driven. And again, these aren't one against the other. This is to just help show you the different aspects. The time frame in evangelism, it it can be presented in, in a relative short time. The gospel can be given. In discipleship, it may be limited to a course of study. In mentoring, there really is no limit on it. The focus in evangelism, it's salvation. In discipleship, it's building spiritual disciplines in a life. In mentoring, it's supporting, encouraging in all areas to help bring maturity. The essential message in evangelism, you must be born again. In discipleship, What to do, these are the things to do to mature. In mentoring, how can I help you to mature? Now, again, all of those need to be done, but to help you understand a little aspect of the difference there. Mentoring is investing in others' lives. And I just want to quickly list um, eight aspects It involves meeting, um, spending time with them. Not, it it isn't necessarily just on 
Okay, we're going to do a Bible study on Tuesday night, but it's it involves meeting, it involves spending time with them, it involves noticing, seeing a need, and meeting it. So you have to pay attention. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, don't look on your own things, but look on every man the needs of others. What what are needs? So it's being alert, it's noticing, it's encouraging, asking. How can I encourage them? And it's not so much asking them, although that's not wrong, but it's asking if I was in their position, what would be an encouragement to me? How can I encourage them? It is offering, making yourself available, being approachable. Um, it's, It's being transparent. And um, it involves being available, offering yourself. It involves teaching. What would I have wanted someone to teach or share with me when I was at that stage of spiritual development or at that stage in life or in a similar situation? What now, looking back, do I wish someone had shared with me? And and thinking about that and saying, you know, here's an opportunity that I can do some teaching. It involves leading, helping them continually draw closer to the Lord by giving them the example, um, helping them to come along and follow behind, um, and leading them closer to Jesus. Last Sunday we said it involves it's not about getting them dependent upon us. It's getting them closer to Jesus. It involves inspiring, demonstrating a joyful, Christ-centered life, a godly character that inspires them. Boy, that's something that I would desire. That's something I would want. And um, I didn't know how else to put this. I'm not a big... Um, I'm not a big cheerleader fan, but I'm big on cheering, okay? Sometimes my cheering gets me in trouble at various sporting events. But at any rate, it's letting them know that you're in their corner. I am for you. And and let them know. You know, everybody, I take it for granted. Do you know what it means to be in their corner? Do you know what that means? How many know what that means when it's a boxing term. After you go out there and they and you get beat on for three minutes, then they ring the bell and you go over to your corner. And if you've seen boxing, they sit down and they're putting cold water on their face and they're one guy's in there, you gotta keep your hands up and they're they're in their corner. Everybody in that corner is for them and they're retaping his hands and they're fixing his cuts and they're saying you got to go harder man he's beating you and they're saying you got him and everybody in life needs people in their corner and as christians we need to be the ones in the corners there's times we are in the fight as well but we need to be also in each other's corner encouraging and helping and and lifting them up So we ask the question, why don't we get involved with others? Well, number one, because we're selfish. 
it's hard for us to get out of our comfort zone. I mean, this this involves um, being vulnerable. This involves something that can get messy. This involves, um, well, what am I going to get out of this? Well, you may not get a lot of good out of it other than doing what God wants you to do from an immediate standpoint. Um, But the major thing why we don't get involved is because we're selfish. Secondly, we have little or no love for others. And that's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to identify or to claim as our own. But to realize, you know what, um, who do we really care enough about to invest in their lives besides our own immediate family? And when you start thinking about it in that regard, um, we, sad to say, come to realize many times we don't have a lot of love. Who, do we, who would we say we really love? Number three, we don't have a joyful, real relationship with Christ, so how can we lead others to that? What do I have to share in this? I mean, it's pretty hard to, it's pretty hard if you don't know how to cook to teach others to cook. You know, it's pretty hard if you don't know how to play tennis to teach someone else to play tennis. It's pretty hard to lead someone to a joyful relationship with Christ if we don't have it. If Christ isn't our all in all, as we, as we sang this morning. And we don't get involved because maybe we did before and it didn't work before. Um, back in the 60s, a time of great upheaval in our nation and the norms were being broken and New societal morals were brought in. A great time of um, great, not meaning good, but a, and great meaning a massive time of rebellion and um, upheaval in our society. There was a young man that. Um, desired to take a different course of action. And um, he said, you know, it's, it's not going to bring change by us um, rioting and throwing rocks at police and burning buildings. And how many of you remember those back in the 60s, all right? I mean, it was a, it was a bad time in our nation. And... Um, and he really took it upon himself. He was a, a young college student. And um, to try to encourage others, to do good to others, and, and establish that. And he found out that he'd motivate people to do that, and they'd go out and try to do it, and, and it'd backfire on them. And they weren't prepared for that, and they'd, they'd just give up. And he ended up writing this. 
Um, you may have seen it attributed to Mother Teresa. It wasn't attributed. Mother Teresa had nothing to do with it. I was interested. I found, I was looking for this, and I came across quotes that are attributed to Mother Teresa, but she never said them. There was like two pages of them. So whoever Mother Teresa is, she's being credited for a lot of things. But this guy, a young college student, said this. Ten things. And think of it in light of this. It didn't work before, so I'm not going to do it. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. You may say amen after any of these, okay? Then he wrote, love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. It happens. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. You know, the bottom line, we're not called to do something because of what it will produce. We're called to do something because it's right. And think of all the things that Jesus endured on our behalf. Came to manifest them love, and they crucified him. But he loves us anyway. And the reality is, um, not to get so hung up in this, it's just invest in others, and consciously and intentionally Find a needy person and enrich him. Encourage them. If it be in the finances, encourage them. Find a lonely person and include them. Encourage them in their friendships. Find a misunderstood person and affirm them. Encourage them and help them deal with their fear. Find a person and help develop them in their potential. Find a failing person and restore them. Encourage them through their failure. See, the reality is, why do I need to do this? Because God has done it for us. To whom much is given, much will be required. 
and we have been given much. And I know it's easy to get to draw back and get cynical, but we must obey God anyway. And they will answer for their response. We will answer for what we've done. And in realizing that, it's coming back and saying, okay, God, whose life this week do you want me to touch? How can you use me this week? And be ready. God will give you opportunities. And and you'll have an opportunity and it will mean, oh, I got to get out of my comfort zone. It will mean doing something that you really weren't planning on doing. But this is what the Christian life is all about. And one of the reasons that we're in the situation we're in in our nation is because we want to receive God's grace and then we just keep it. It's investing in others' lives And the more you give, the more you receive. The more grace you give, the more grace you receive. And the opportunity, admittedly, um, many of you could tell stories of, like I said, you could have said amen after, after these, you know. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Not only forgotten, it will be spoken evil of tomorrow. Well, do good anyway. That's their, it's on them what they do with it. And it's easy to get where, where we just say, forget it. I'm, I'm just gonna sit here in my little cubicle and sing my little song to Jesus and that isn't what God wants from us. He wants us to invest in the lives of others and it begins first of all in our home. You know what? In our home, the things some of you have done in your home have been forgotten. It doesn't matter. Do good anyway. And in your home, there are people that need that inspiring. They need to know that you are in their corner. They go out and they they deal with things um, maybe with school or work or their own personal life, and they need to know, hey, I am in your corner. I'm going to get some power back into your arms. We're going to get back in the fight. To know that. to they, they need to notice that you notice the needs and minister and seek how you can help. But see... It's understanding, why do I need to do this? Because God has so graciously dealt with us. It's a privilege. And regardless of how it's received, it's a privilege to respond to. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to invest in others' lives. Lord, I pray that that we would be alert to the opportunities that you give us, that we would be alert to the needs of others. And Lord, I pray that we truly would um, see your hand 
working in us, giving us the grace to do what admittedly our flesh doesn't want to do, but to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray in eternity there would be great praise to you by the difference that you have made in lives through using us as instruments in your hand. Lord, I pray for individuals here tonight that maybe just have been fed up with how the responses have gone and and just are ready to coast into heaven. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us with a fresh anointing that we would with zeal, love you and serve you by loving others and serving others. Lord, I pray for others that have, have never really gone beyond their own life, never invested. I pray that, that they would um, know your Spirit's promptings to them and that they would take steps of obedience and know your power at work, And to be able to have the satisfaction of knowing I did what God wanted me to do. Lord, you said that we are to let our light shine that they may see our good works and glorify you. So, Lord, we pray that truly our lights would shine for you and that you would be glorified through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.